Thanks for listening to the GOSH podcast. GOSH stands for the Gynecologic Oncology Sharing Hub, an open space for real and evidence-based discussions on gynecologic cancers. We'll share the stories of gyne cancer patients and survivors and hear from researchers and clinicians who are working behind the scenes to improve the lives of people with gynecologic cancers. Our podcast is produced and recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. It is produced by the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative, a province-wide initiative in British Columbia with the mission to accelerate transformative research and translational practice on the prevention, detection, treatment, and survivorship of gynecologic cancers. Hi, I'm Nicole Kay. And I'm Stephanie Lam. And you're listening to the GOSH Podcast. Before we jump into the episode, we would love to hear from you, our incredible audience. We've put together a short survey for you to share your thoughts, suggestions, and ideas. In this survey, we have a few simple demographic questions to help us better understand our listeners. Also, if you have ever thought of being a guest on our show or have someone in mind who you would like to hear from, well, now is your chance. We are looking for guests who can bring unique perspectives, expertise, and stories to share with our audience. Your feedback will play a vital role in shaping the future direction of the show. So please take a few minutes to complete the survey. You can find the survey link in the episode description as well as our show notes. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of the GOSH podcast. Today, we have an exciting guest with us. Today, we have Ali Hajigili Mirabadi, who is a second-year PhD student in bioinformatics at the University of British Columbia. His research focuses on artificial intelligence-based cancer patient similarity learning to advance clinical precision medicine. He primarily targets rare cancers across all organs, utilizing microscopic tissue images, clinical data, and genome information to enhance AI models' ability to identify patient similarities and trends in treatment. Supported by the UBC four-year fellowship in Dr. Beshashadi's research lab, Ali's work carries significant potential for improving patient care. Before joining UBC, he simultaneously achieved two undergraduate degrees in electrical engineering and applied mathematics with honors from Isfahan University of Technology in Iran. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ali. Can you start off just um, by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. It's a great pleasure to be here and talk about my work and thanks for inviting me. So as you introduce, I'm Ali. Uh, I'm from Iran, and uh, right now I'm studying bioinformatics, my PhD study at UBC. And I moved in Vancouver, July 2022, to start my PhD. And yeah, everything uh, I like about I like everything about Vancouver. And yeah, here I am to talk about my work. Great. Well, welcome to Vancouver. How are you enjoying the beautiful sunny weather we've gotten this year so far? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, summers in Vancouver is really nice going yeah. for a hike or beach days. Uh, I enjoy them. So yes. Yes. I really like it. It's been a really good year for me. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um for my next question to you, I was just a little bit curious about kind of how you got interested in 
um, doing biomedical research and more specifically cancer research, given your background in engineering and mathematics. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into this uh, particular field? Oh, for sure. That's a really good question. So it's a long story, but yeah, long story short is that I kind of was interested in biology from high school. Mm. But the system in our country is that like, we have a really strong uh, computational field in Mm. our country. So I decided to first for my undergrad, study mathematics and electrical engineering uh, to learn tools like because mathematics and engineering is all about tools and applications. Mm. But uh, still, I had like that uh, interest in biology and discovering new things. So after uh, during my undergrad, I was taking like life sciences courses and reading different art- articles about biology or cancer. And and a topic about pathogens was really interesting to me. So I started to read about pathogens and pathology, and I found I found the field really interesting. Mm. So I think it was about four years ago. So I decided to continue that direction to combine my mathematics and engineering background in a way that I can use it for pathology. Mm. And I did some inter- research internship like in the same, in the similar field, but different, but it was about like stomach cancers. Mm. And then I decided to apply for uh, UBC bioinformatics program. Mm which is in Dr. Bashashati, I contacted with them and it's really good research because they are working on cancers mm-hmm. and working on cancer has a lot of, uh, how do I say, advantages mm-hmm. because it's really complicated from science part. You can learn a lot of stuff mm-hmm. by using those mathematical tools. You can discover a lot of new stuff, but at the same time, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. So you need to spend a lot of time working with formulas or models to learn Mm -hmm. something and discover something but the on the other side on the other hand which is i think more meaningful part is that by working in biomedical science or cancer research uh, your work would impact people's lives Mm -hmm. so that's that kind of give a meaning to my work and i like it because of that so i decided to uh do my research in cancers and it's like an interdisciplinary field. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like it was a really kind of nice marrying of the two kind of areas of interest that you had from a computational background, but then also your biology background. And I think like you said, I think cancer is such a wide open field and there's still so much that we don't know about it that I think there's definitely a lot of really kind of interesting things for you to look at, which kind of makes me curious to learn a little bit about your research work. So could you share with the listeners today um, just a little bit about your research and what you're doing um, within your PhD degree right now? Yeah, definitely. So uh, speaking of cancers, we know that cancers are really complicated and complex disease Mm -hmm. so that we don't have even treatment or we can barely diagnose many of them because we have like rare cancers or some unknown cancers. So working with these uh, cancers needs like strong tools. So in my research, um, mostly focusing on rare cancers 
but my tool here is AI, so AI models. And I think everyone nowadays knows about AI because of ChatGPT and other mm. like famous AI models, but they are mainly working on general fields, like general, we call it general computer vision. But the story in cancer is a little bit different because uh, as we said, the data for cancer is like more complicated. Mm. For example, like a simple human being can look at a photo of a dog and cat and distinguish between them. Mm -hmm. But for cancer, it's not like that. When you have two different microscopic photos from cancers, uh, one like uh, someone, some like uh, a person who don't have any education in pathology cannot like easily differentiate mm -hmm. between them because everything looks similar. Mm -hmm. So here it comes that we want to use AR because like for humans to learn and uh, distinguish this pattern, it takes like maybe five to 10 years of fellowship or re different residency programs to learn and to be an expert in the field. So our question was that, okay, can we use an AI model, these strong, this strong tools to use them or maybe to help pathologists in their decision-making to make this process easier or not? So in my research work, is this is exactly the question so that we want to use AI models to kind of find similarities in rare cancers. And by mm -hmm. rare cancers, when we speak of rare, it means that we don't have enough samples, like maybe two or three in 10 years in Vancouver. Mm. So if you have two cases in 10 years in VGH, so even pathologists don't have any broad knowledge about them. So we want to devise a model that can use them. And the idea is that, okay, we have like maybe 10 different rare cancers. Let's go to our database and find those similar cases. Mm. And these similar cases can be when you find the similar cases, uh, you can plan for treatment or define some strategies for our, for your new patients to rely based on that. Like, for example, drug A has worked for patient B that we had in the archive. So let's try it again for this new patient. Mm. Some ideas like that. Yeah. Mm, I see. I see. And so for our listeners who aren't quite super familiar with AI, why is it so important that you have more than a, just a couple of cases um, of, of, I guess, data for you guys to use? And kind of how does that build into um, the model that you guys are creating? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. So uh, basically, when we talk about AI, we also talk about learning. Mm. So by learning, we have an understanding of learning. So when a child go to a high school, it started to read and practice to learn something. So this is true for AI as well. So when we have an AI model, we need to teach it, teach it something. Mm -hmm. By teaching, we need to have data. And this process of teaching can be expensive. And by being expensive, I mean that AI is not uh, as efficient as humans right now. We mm -hmm. are trying to make them efficient in a way that we as few as sample as possible that we have, we can teach them. But right now, it's not like that. So we need a lot of samples from a data to teach them, mm. to tell them, okay, learn this pattern from the data. Mm. So for example, like uh, when you have two samples from 
a cancer, you cannot teach something. But when you have 200 cases, yeah, you can do something. Mm, I see. So really, the data is utilized to teach the a artificial intelligence model how to accurately kind of um, make make a decision or to tell the difference between the different diagnoses that are the rare cancers. Am I am I hearing that right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the end goal is to predict the cancer or to find a pattern in the data. Mm, this I is see. the end goal that the AI does. The same that the doctor. The doctor wants to find the diagnosis to yeah. see, okay, this is a subtype from cancer A. Yeah. So this is the same thing that the AI is doing. And by learning and by learning is uh, the model is doing a search in the data to find something and make a decision based on that. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. So I'm curious, you know, I think we talked a lot about kind of um, helping to make diagnoses and uh, with rare cancers and stuff like that. With the work that you're doing right now, how have you and the team um, started to think about how this would uh, impact the healthcare system today or, um, you know, a couple of years down the road? How would it be applied in, in, in a real life setting? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So uh, it will affect, I think it will affect every aspects of our current healthcare system mm. because AI can be utilized in different parts. For example, from a screening to treatment or to risk identification, AI can be used to make the workflow that currently we have more up, uh, more efficient mm. and more uh, streamlined. Mm. So, uh, for example, uh, when you when our pathology lab are working with cancer samples, they need to they like they take many samples from the patients. Mm -hmm. A lot of these samples don't have any useful uh, information for the pathologist. But the pathologist should sit behind microscope and test and check every single sample to find the one with tumor. Mm. But with having an AI model, you can uh, easily remove those samples without any useful information and pass the samples with content tumor to the pathologist. Mm. So this is a very simple use case that can make the process very fast for mm. the pathologist. So a pathologist, instead of spending hours on uh investigating uh useless samples mm -hmm. can spend a few minutes on a useful case and find the pattern the other use case use case is that that our team has worked on and they got a really good result is that in endometrial cancer they were working and they were using these ai models and they saw at some point ai is seeing something that human eyes cannot see Mm. And that was that AI understood that there is a group of patients that used to be considered as a can subtype cancer called NSMP, non-specific molecular profile. Mm. But they said that, okay, this group of patients have two subgroups. Mm. And it was like very interesting that why is it like that? So they started to uh, define a hypothesis that they are actually two different subtypes and they evaluated that hypothesis and tested that and they proved that yes they, those are two different subtypes within yeah. that previous subtype yeah. so that was a new subtype discovery which oh. is which was which was able by ai yeah so that's something that make us uh, able to do it you know 
by because the data is so complex, our human eye is not able to see all the patterns. Yeah. But because AI is more accurate yeah. and less biased, uh, it's not accurate to say less biased, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, in very roughly, it's less biased to identify some certain patterns. We can do those studies as well. And uh, by finding a new subtype, you basically identify a new group of patients that you can uh, design new treatment or a strategy for uh, targeted therapy even for them. Mm. So kind of helping them to get a better treatment. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really amazing. I'm hearing that it's both kind of a, a in the, from an efficiency perspective and trying to make the lives and kind of system run more efficiently so then the system can see more patients, but also that there is an opportunity to really utilize AI to, um, you know, be more specific in the cancer treatment that patients can receive um, and hopefully improve patient outcomes at the end of the day, which is crazy to kind of think that AI is responsible, can, can do all of those different things. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the challenges working with AI. And obviously, I think kind of access to that initial data is, is really huge. Um, in your in your role as a PhD student right now and working in this field, um, have you encountered any other challenges when it comes to working with AI and um, in cancer research? Uh, speaking of challenges, uh, we have different types of challenges here, mm. like challenges that are directly associated with the data and cancer, mm. challenges that are directly associated with the AI itself, mm. or challenges that we have with healthcare system. Mm. So with the data is that, if I want to mention a few of them, is that the data is really complex and is really big. For example, one cancer tissue image mm. is around a thousand times bigger than one of our simple iPhone photos that we take every day. Mm, wow. So it's like five gigabyte image. Yeah. One single image of it, a small tissue is five gigabytes. Yeah. So processing that is really hard. Mm. So that's a challenge for that comes from the data. But a challenge that comes for AI itself is that AI, uh, right, AI is not accountable, meaning that a decision that is made by AI cannot, there is no one behind it to say, okay, I'm responsible for that decision. Mm. For in healthcare system, if your AI system makes a wrong decision, who's responsible for that? Mm. So that's a challenge for AI. Or the other challenge is that AI, AI systems right now are not fully interpretable, mm. meaning that you we don't know what is going on exactly in the model that the model predicts something we are trying to improve those but mm. still it's a bottleneck to make them full, fully explainable mm. but and there are like challenges with hospitals is that uh, different hospitals have different data sharing mm. protocols mm -hmm. so that makes gathering data way harder mm. so it's like a challenge that, okay, hospitals don't share their data, so we have less data right now. Mm -hmm. So we cannot like have a better AI system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, clearly there's a lot of challenges that um, you and your team are trying to work through it. I think some of the ones that are, are really interesting to me is just kind of from both a 
kind of a data and development and perspective, but then also how it applies into the real world and how it, how, you know, we develop these technologies, but also we need to think about what we need to put into place into our systems when we are trying to roll it into our, a real life environment. Like you said, you know, there's no one accountable to it. So how do we build some structures to make sure there is the accountability or whatever there needs to be so that it could be actually used effectively? Yeah, very interesting. That's, and that's totally true, yeah. Right now, the idea is that for healthcare, AI can be used as an adjunct tool yeah. or as an assistant assistant tool. Yeah that makes the process faster or more optimized. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is already a huge, um, really important kind of tool that is really needed in our healthcare system with, you know, trying to make things more efficient is always a goal within the healthcare system and making sure that we're leveraging, you know, the people to the best of their ability and, you know, like pathologists making sure that they're spending their time looking at the really kind of important ones instead of just kind of going through um, slides and slides of kind of things that might not um, really help patients at the end of the day, right? So I think it's definitely a tool that um, is can be really useful in our healthcare environment. Um, okay, so the very last question that I have for you is just around kind of what your thoughts are on um, the future of AI in healthcare and kind of what you're, you are most excited about um, in this space? Oh, yes. For looking ahead, if I want to describe some of the like, uh, impacts that AI can have on healthcare system is that I think it would be more streamlined. Mm. It's not like that, okay, AI will replace everyone, replace mm -hmm. doctors. No, it's not like that because I said, a computer system is never accountable for something, mm -hmm. for decisions. So we always need the doctors to supervise any decision that is being made. Mm -hmm. But I think that in Kelo's future, we will have these AI systems that are implemented in our labs, in our mm -hmm. hospitals, that our diagnosis would be very faster. They help us from sample preparation to uh, treatment plan, to mm -hmm. defining different treatment plans for each cases, I think we will have a day that each patient, each cancer patient will have a, a design, a specifically designed treatment for themselves mm. based on their genome, based mm -hmm. on their data. And I think this will happen thanks to AI, I think, mm -hmm. because we can process this big amount of data and yeah, with the help of AI, I think um, because, because people are right now working on some methods that they can even design drugs mm. using AI. Oh, wow. So they try different molecular design and yeah. test them in the lab, uh, which is like they using AI in this part is like making the process faster yeah. and basically more accurate. So why not? We use AI for simulation, simulating everything. Yeah. So that's really helpful. But the exciting part for me is that like, I said, we want something that we can use it in the clinic, right? Mm -hmm. If we have a really big model, but it's not useful for the clinic, it doesn't have any value. For me, is that, okay, we design a system, an AI system that can be used in the clinic right now. And our team is working on models, but at the same time, we are working on a platform to share it with doctors, with mm -hmm. pathologists to 
make them to make them uh, to be able to use the AI system with different computational tools, different AI systems, and also a statistical system to evaluate the decision. Mm. So this is exciting for me because right now we have like a lot of useful AI tools that we can use them for cancers. Mm. Oh, wow. There's definitely a lot going on in this space. So it's really exciting to kind of hear every hear about what's going on and kind of what the future looks like. I think the technology is definitely, um, you know, new and exciting, especially in the healthcare yes. environment. So really looking forward to kind of hearing more about your work as you move along your your PhD journey. And um, hopefully we can have you back on the podcast in a couple of years time when um, you've, um, you're have you further along in your journey and can hear more about your work at that point in time. But thank you so much, Ali, for joining us today on the GOSH podcast. And um, we'll be sure to link in the show notes, some uh, links to uh, your lab and um, those, some of the work that you're doing right now. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a really nice talk, nice talking to you. And uh, yeah, it's a really good effort to uh, spread this word to patients and helping them to know more about AI and our work. And yeah, thank you so much. And if anyone has any question, they can reach out to us. We will happily respond to any question. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the GOSH podcast. To learn more about the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative and our podcast, make sure to check out our website at gynecancerinitiative.ca.